I know you. You are afraid to speak up. You are scared of what other people think of you. And you blame yourself for what happened to you. I know how it feels because I've been there. If you found me, I'm so grateful you are here. This podcast will give you hope. And I'm your host, Anna Ditchburn. I'm going to hold your hand and provide the guidance that I needed the most. It's time for you to find your why and turn your experience into your superpower. So lock your door, put your headphones in, and enjoy. John Claire Gilbert, welcome to the world's best trauma recovery podcast. Hi, good morning, Anna. <laughs> so great to have you here. John, John Claire, mm-hmm. I have a first question for you, and it's a bit tricky. Why gratitude is so important in your life? Gratitude? Mm-hmm. Yeah, gratitude for me is important because it's it's building that abundance mindset of, of being present to the miracles, the, the amazing blessings that we have in every moment, right? So that's interesting that you led with that question. <laughs> I uh, I mean, for me, gratitude is true abundance mindset of just being in the moment and being present to the gifts of the moment. And that allows you to be more open to other gifts in your life. And in even seeing the gifts and the challenges that come up in our encounters with difficult people or situations. So yeah, to me, that's, and I mean, that's through being truly alive is when you're feeling gratitude, just living the abundance of the moment. Yeah. I love this answer because I know you are talking about being grateful and gratitude in your life mm-hmm. a lot on other podcasts as well. What are you grateful for? Mm. Well, I'm, I'm most grateful for my faith. My, um, I grew up Catholic and I, I, I feel like I really delved more into my faith and my challenges in college and beyond. So I fall back on my faith and everything being connected to God. And for my family, my husband, I have three kids, um, ages 12, 11, and five. And they're such a gift to me. I, I really like just savor my time with my family, especially when we're present with each other outdoors or playing a game together. Nature, just the beauty of, of the surroundings, mountains, the ocean, <laughs> that really lights me up. Good food. I mean, we have a lovely home to live here in the desert around beautiful agave plants. And and all the friends and coaches, this community worldwide that I'm part of is just amazing. It's been a huge blessing that I'm I'm happy that you're reminding me of the gratitude of just being around amazing people like you who've done a lot of inner work and are just full of love for themselves and others is a huge blessing. And being able to share our stories and inspire each other is amazing. So, yeah. What a wonderful, wonderful things to be grateful for. And very often we take them for granted and we just Mm -hmm. forget that it's, you know, all this abundance and all this happiness is just around us. I'm For grateful sure. you are here today. <laughs> yeah, it's lovely <laughs> to be with you. Thank you. And I know, I know you. You haven't shared your your story really publicly, so mm-hmm. I want to acknowledge you for for doing this because I know it will be so beneficial for so many people mm-hmm. to hear Thank it. You. But Thank before you. we jump into your story, mm-hmm. I know you've been asked this 
probably a hundred times. But I would love to ask you, what, what, what do you do? And what is your passion? Mm. You mean as a coach? As a coach. <laughs> I know you call yourself world's best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've also used the word ultimate. I mean, I, I've used different terms. Actually, with Laban, your husband, I came up with the world's best faith, courage, and freedom coach. Because love I, it. <laughs> I, do, I do love to help my clients lean into their faith. Um, whatever their faith may be, you know, it may not be look like my faith, but their faith in, in their higher power and themselves and their ability to serve the world and, and be aligned in their own values that way. So, and that's the faith piece. And then courage is like taking courageous action aligned with, you know, your values and your purpose. And then um, freedom is like freedom from anxiety and overthinking and worry, because that's been a big piece of my journey. My personal development is freedom from all the the overthinking and the thoughts of you know, what could happen and, you know, all that, not being in the present moment, essentially. So. <laughs> and the world's yeah. best is also your commitment, your yeah. commitment to yourself. For sure. Yeah. In every moment. And it's not like a high pressure. I've learned to, to let go of the high pressure kind of um, on myself coaching of like, I need to perform for my client, you know, and give them the tools. It's more like it, it now looks more like just being present to them with my heart being connected to God and my little girl within and, and me being connected. I, I give a space. I, I create a space for them to be connected to their heart and that allows for them to open and share what's on their heart and get in touch more with their, with what needs to be healed, but also with, with what they want to create in their life as well. So, yeah. <laughs> Connecting to your inner self, yeah, to your inner sure. power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a big piece of it that I continue to lean into is just being present to myself um, allows other people to be present to themselves too. If I'm not present to myself, then they're not in a peaceful place with me, right? <laughs> We're just kind of like out there. So if I can be present with myself, it gives them in some sense of permission to slow down and be present to themselves as well. What yeah. was your journey to become a coach? Wow. So that's that's a very um <laughs> could be a long-winded question so i i practiced law right out of law school and had my first child a little over a year after um, i started practicing and i decided to stay home with her and that was wonderful and and i started to i enjoyed that time but i needed to, the intellectual challenge so i started to do part-time work for my parents business in-house employment type work and my second child came along 20 months 20 months after my first. So it was a pretty intense, like becoming a mother all of a sudden. And after actually in my third trimester and after he was born, I developed pretty severe, well, what became very severe sacroiliac joint pain in my lower back, like the very base of the spine and went through all kinds of practitioners, physical therapists, acupuncturists, nothing seemed to help. I saw um, a a rheumatologist who diagnosed me with autoimmune spinal arthritis. And so I had a long journey through motherhood with this pretty severe autoimmune condition, um, a little bit like ankylosing spondylitis, if anyone knows about that autoimmune condition. And I relied on my diet, you know, like a whole foods paleo autoimmune type diet to manage it. And yet I would still get pretty bad flares frequently. And I fell back, I fell back on my faith you know, in, in hard times when I was just like, I can't take this anymore. You know, my husband had left the law several years ago and that was challenging for me. And my son had some behavioral challenges. So I just share this all to 
to give a, a picture of like my life felt very challenging to me and it was all out there. It was like my health challenges, my husband not finding fulfillment in his career the way I had hoped, my second child having emotional regulation issues. And when we moved out here to Phoenix and my husband had already gotten into personal development, I used, I got, I wanted to share my journey with my autoimmune health challenges. So I started a website, with a blog and started coaching women in a uh, Facebook group I created. And so that's how coaching came about was I was, it was like, I want to share the journey that I've been on and what's been helpful to me in overcoming this severe health challenge, which for me brought so many dark moments where I just felt like, you know, when is this going to end? How did I, how did this come about? What did I, what did I do to cause this? You know, it was just really challenging because I was pretty high level athlete in, in high school and college, and I was still able to run at times, but it was just, you know, part of that identity, losing your identity in some sense when you have a, a severe health challenge. And that that was something that I felt like I could actually serve others with um, having left the law with my health journey. So that's how I got into to coaching. <laughs> it comes from what we went through, what yeah. we overtook. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, I think that was, it was, it was a, a bit healing for me, I think, to share uh, what was helpful to me on that journey. And um, yeah, I could share more about the coaching, but we'll probably get into that more. <laughs> if if we have time, yes, I would love to hear about about this more. Yeah. I, I would love, um, I would love to ask you, because mm-hmm. I know you went through a healing journey, healing process and very yeah. intense one. Yeah. What was your trauma? Where did it come from? Yeah. So, so when I, uh, when I was, I think about three or four, I don't actually have a, you know, time stamp on this, but I, um, I would, my parents have a very successful seedling nursery with, you know, customers worldwide. And they've essentially grew up from the ground up for 40 years now, but their, their business was like, um, maybe a quarter mile, I don't know, behind our house where I grew up. And when I was um, taking naps at home and my parents would, I think, often lie down with me to help me fall asleep. I, I think it was at least once or twice, but I woke up from from a number of naps maybe and just no one was home. And I was just, you know, extremely, extremely scared, sad, anxious, um, just felt like a total panic attack. And it really wasn't part of my memory, like my conscious memory for years. But anyway, just to share more about that, like it was just... I would just cry in front of like our family's photo in my parents' bedroom. And I went to the back porch and screamed like, mom, dad, it's me, Joan Claire, please come home. And I remember actually thinking like, I need to tell him it's me because I don't want him to think it's some other really scared little girl, like in the neighborhood screaming for her parents. So I remember consciously thinking like, I need to tell him it's me. And anyway, I feel like that, um, well, I know it did. It, it kind of embedded this traumatic response within my nervous system or whatever you want to call that. And I I didn't really realize that was part of my, I don't know, my subconscious or whatever you want to call it for years until college when I went to Argentina um, to study abroad after my freshman year of college and had a wonderful time. But then we went up to the Cataraptas de Guazú, these amazing waterfalls on the border of Paraguay, Brazil, and Argentina. And on the way back on our tourist bus, it collided with a chemical carrying truck in the middle of the night. And I was on the back of the bus asleep when it happened, but I woke up and, you know, glass all around me, it's darkness. Um, no one's on the bus anymore. And that just brought to, to my memory like this, it suddenly came up like out of the blue, just 
this memory of being at home and no one there and being by myself. And I didn't really address that childhood trauma until becoming a coach. I did some EMDR to address the bus accident trauma in my marriage early years, but it wasn't until I actually had this, the safe space of coaching with other peer coaches and my own coach to really dive deep and be present to that scared little girl who never really, I guess, felt felt safe or felt heard fully. You know, she was just still scared inside of me and just um, really anxious. And when that came up in my coaching journey and coach in my coaching program with other coaches and then with my one-on-one coach, you know, the tears would come up continually, just like continue. Every time I tried, I kind of went in within and was present to that scared little girl. I just felt just sad. And I think some pity for her, which wasn't as helpful early on, but just mainly sad and the tears would flow and I didn't know when it would end. So I, I myself as an adult was kind of scared to be present with this scared little girl within me. Um, but it wasn't until doing a lot of work with my coach and learning to be present to her, even with her sadness and her anxiety that I now no longer have like a, a sad response or a, a scared response to this, this little girl that, you know, didn't feel safe and didn't feel that felt abandoned, you know, just, and it's funny how that manifested in different ways in my college and law school journey, actually, like I had some, a couple more serious um, relationships with, you know, I I didn't date in high school, it wasn't until I went to Princeton and to to Notre Dame that I um, started dating. And I had some more serious um, romantic relationships. And when those broke off, it was very, um, I felt like my response was over the top in some sense that I think it was because I felt abandoned in some sense. Like even if it was mutual, it triggered it was like, something. Mm-hmm. Triggered yeah, something was, in you. Yeah, exactly. Like even though it was, you know, in some sense, maybe I broke it up or it was mutual or whatever. It was like the severe abandonment feeling, and I think it it was in part this little girl in me that felt abandoned again, you know. And so um, it's just been an interesting, wonderful journey to be able to come back to that little girl who was so scared and just learn to be present to her and learn to allow her to feel her feelings and not need to shut her up. You know, (laughs) when I initially did my work with my coach, it was like, I don't even want to be present to her. Like she kind of scares me because she's sad and she's scared. And I feel like I'm going to be drowning with her if I get too close to her and her emotions, you know, like it didn't feel like something, you know, didn't feel safe in some sense for me as as an adult. And with his, you know, loving guidance and presence, it was, I I gave myself permission to just be present to her, to feel, to connect to her. And over time that just healed because it's like a little child who falls down off a bike and gets, you know, their knee banged up or whatever. You don't just shut them up and be like, oh yeah, you're okay. Let's just go inside and just stop, stop crying. I mean, we do that as parents, right? But it's not I've learned it's not the most helpful thing. What what really needs to happen is for the child to be heard and to let them know that their emotions are are okay and um, they're safe and they're loved and just give them time to be present to their own emotions so that they can be healed and move on. You know, it's when we, when we shut it up and we push down those emotions that, that they don't, they don't have the opportunity to heal and be released. So that's what I do today for myself in some sense is just learning continually to go back and be present to her because in some sense, even though she has been healed of this trauma, 
it's it's a continual journey i feel like of being present to your heart and your emotions and your vulnerability because it's a, even as an adult right i have emotions and if i go too fast and get in this mode of like accomplishment and achieving things or getting things done she doesn't feel heard she feels like she just has to do more to be more and so I, mm-hmm. i'm i'm learning as an adult and as a coach to continually um to continually come back to my being, to my own presence, to myself, so that I don't have this nervous energy of like, I have to do more to be acceptable. So that's another piece of the, <laughs> the I feel like, you know, some programming that I maybe adopted, you know, because um, my family is 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 so wonderful. And there were, we did so many wonderful things as a family and just spent so many loving moments together and camping and roller skating. But on the flip side, my family, my parents are very driven people which is, it's just wonderful in many ways. We had very high standards of excellence, but I think it also can bleed into this um, mindset of like, I have to be accomplishing something to be worthwhile, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's kind of the pressure that I feel like my little girl has felt, you know, whether it's no one's fault, it's just how it developed. It's just um, this little girl feels like she has to do more to be more. And I'm continually mm-hmm. reminding myself and her that we're okay. We're perfect the way we are right now, that we can just be, you know, take a deep breath and be in the moment together. And um, from there we can, we can act and create from a, a peaceful state versus a, a lacking state. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that you asked me about gratitude. I feel like that's a big piece of it. It's just being grateful uh, for what we have in the moment and loving our life right now and being commitment to happiness now and not needing to, achieve something to be happy, you know, so. Gratitude, uh, when you're grateful for something, you show, uh, you show your, you show your universe that you have it, you, you have an abundance. And yeah. the more you're grateful for things, the mm-hmm. more things are coming into your life. Yeah. It's, it's from the place of love and being grateful. It's a place of love and abundance, uh, mm. rather than, uh, uh, curiosity mindset. Yeah, and sure. your story is very, very close to my heart mm. because I was abandoned by my biological father when I was mm. four years old, wow. when he left our family and yeah. my mom became like a 24 years old single mother of two wow. during the hard Russian economic depression. Wow. So, and we had to survive. It, it yeah. wasn't easy. And so many people just underminish this experience when mm-hmm. their parents leave uh, or just leave them for, for some time being, you know, when you wake up and you felt like you are alone. I know how it feels and this experience, this inner child can literally lead your whole life, your whole adulthood. So I'm so grateful we are talking about this today because I want people to realize that some things that you are doing in adulthood life might be directly related to your childhood yeah. And I'm so I'm so grateful you are you you are talking about being present with your inner child. Mm-hmm. Um John Claire, I just would love to deep dive a little bit more mm-hmm. into these techniques. Okay. Would you share some story when you were like what do you do to be present with your? Do you meditate? 
the mm-hmm. youth stake why yeah. like for people who who don't know anything about this would you yeah. give some for sure yeah more information well initially when i did my deeper inner child work i it was different than it looks like today because i don't feel like i have um i don't cry when i think about my little girl anymore if anything it's just love and affection like a little child that you just want to hug and squeeze and tell her you love her you know and so but when i first started it it was like i have a picture here of um my three or four year old little girl with just curls and kind of in this field of flowers and she's just sweet with her little flowers in her hands and she looks mm-hmm. a little bit sad and i think that's why i chose that picture because it reminded me of those feelings that i needed to in some sense heal and um i have pictures of myself with big smiles and you know just kind of more carefree as at that age but mm-hmm. for some reason it's that little girl i feel that that you know in some sense maybe needs a little more presence that um is feeling some of that sadness so i initially it was just looking like being visualizing her looking at that picture listening to some music um se jane has these lullabies for i don't know what they're called lullabies for adults or something i could share reference later but one of the mm-hmm. songs is oh i love you and it's just very um it's beautiful she kind of hums to the chums to the child to your to your inner child and just looks like being present to her and and just yeah i don't know how else to say just being present to that um in your heart to this little girl or little boy within you that um is feeling the way they feel and it, you don't judge the feelings that come up you just be present with it and allow it and in listening to some music sometimes that can um catalyze these emotions of connection with the child right like you can look at a picture of yourself but sometimes music can help you get more feeling into that connection you know when you listen to certain songs that can inspire certain emotions so my coach had suggested some that he listens to but i i found my own that i resonated the most with that i felt really kind of sparked that that loving connection and emotional emotional connection to her so that's initially what it looked like these days it's more like thinking of a picture or seeing a picture of her on my phone or right here and just just you know it's just like a glance like you look at your loved one and you smile at them and you just show your love that way it's just kind of like a momentary glance of like i'm here for you i love you we're here together um there's nothing that needs to be said or done it's just like this connection you know i'm sure you feel it with laban when you <laughs> you give him a loving glance yeah. you know across the room it's just kind of like that of um, just like i'm here with you and it's also my declaration in many ways uh as you know you know in our ultimate coach um community of just reminding my little girl of who she is and creating this loving beautiful bubble within safe space within us that's really beautiful and and what we're creating in the world and kind of reminding her of that Yeah, one of my declarations is I'm adoration for my little girl within giving her my loving presence and attention day and night. So it's just a kind of a reminding of myself of of my connection to my little girl. And uh yeah, I'd say that's it's also being playful. This is an intention I I had with my daughter yesterday like on Sundays I really want to start maybe setting aside an hour to just draw and paint and um with her and maybe my 5-year-old too and I don't I don't know mm-hmm. if my middle child will join in but just taking opportunities to be more playful as well is is part of that connection because I know my little girl is very playful she loves to be out in the Hawaiian ocean surfing or like you know being in nature hiking or getting in the water and just um being being in nature is her her real 
place where she feels the most alive. So <laughs> nurturing her that way. Do you feel you you try to nurture your kids more now when you when mm-hmm. you know all about your inner child? Did it, yeah. uh, did your attitude towards your kids change? What yeah, you, for what sure. Is- yeah, I mean, there is always like, so I do a mental fitness program with my clients and we learn about our saboteurs and my top saboteurs were hyperachiever and controller. So I very much have this controller kind of, I don't know, way of being with my kids. Even now it's, it's something I have to look out for. And so I think with the inner child work, it helped me cut past that um, kind of veil of like, this is what they need to be accomplishing and doing, and this is what they should, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just connecting with the, they're just, they're, mm-hmm their essence. They're just the beauty, the way that God created them, just the way they are now. And even with mm. the idiosyncratic, like don't clean up their room or brush their teeth or whatever, you know, maybe that's not so idiosyncratic, but just the more way they inside, are. More internal connection. Yeah. Just that mm. heart to heart. And, and my five-year-old, he's now five, but when I started this work, he was three and it was perfect because it's like I had this, this little child that was ex- the exact age that I most likely had this abandonment kind of trauma and I could just be present to him in a way that felt so beautiful because he has curls and I had curls at that age um and just I don't feel in some sense I was like oh my gosh am I using him but no it's like if you're just giving love to this child like it's I'm he's so blessed that he's able to experience this from his mother and she's like healing herself and she's being this healing loving unconditional loving presence mm-hmm. that I felt was really a huge gift and blessing that I had the opportunity to do this work when he was still young, you mm-hmm. know, he's five now, so he's still young, but just at that age, I think we have a special bond because of that. Yes. Um, that I yes. really cherish. So <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Yeah. You know, I remember working with my inner child. Uh, firstly, I thought, this is like nothing to do with my childhood, <laughs> whatever is happening in my adulthood. But when I did work on my inner child, inner child, I remember I was imagining my three-year-old self in front mm-hmm. of me mm-hmm. and just being present with her, looking at her, uh, hugging her and mm-hmm. just reassuring that everything will be okay. Yeah, <laughs> and for sure. Telling her how much I love her. Mm-hmm. how much I respect her and and that I, I'm going to take uh, care of her mm-hmm. really helped me. So, yeah. and I love your uh, technique with taking a photo, uh, choosing the photo, mm-hmm. like, and putting it in front of you and yeah. putting the music. It really, really yeah. helps to connect. For sure. Seeing that picture more often mm-hmm. next to me was, reminds me to connect with her. Um, I was inspired by my coach having a picture of his on his phone too. Mm. Like we're looking at our phones all the time. So she's always there in the background. That's and, a good um, one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, you, I don't know that you can over, I guess you could over connect with your inner child if you get too wrapped up in like, you know, if, if especially if it lends itself toward pity, that was an area where I felt like I maybe went a little too far feeling like pity for her. It's like, she doesn't need pity. She just needs love and empathy. And so- mm-hmm. If there was anything I might have done differently is um, allow the tears to come, but just admire and love her for her just her true essence and not feel sorry for her. 
you know, because she that's not what I don't think anyone really wants to be felt sorry for, including our little child, you know, <laughs> we just want our love and our presence. So, yeah, just love and hug. Exactly. Yeah. Um, John Claire, for me, when I woke up, <laughs> I would say um, I just connected all the dots or some of my behaviors I I was doing in my adulthood uh, with my childhood. So mm-hmm. for me, I was trying to please people so they don't leave me. Mm-hmm. And I know you mentioned a little bit um your relationship when your boyfriend triggered your yeah. past trauma. Yeah. But my question, what else do you think, What? how else do you think this trauma impacted your life mm. in your adulthood? Yeah, well, it's it's interesting that you bring up that kind of pleaser mode, I think, or I don't know what you call that. Um, like you don't want to make anyone mad or you know, mm-hmm. um, lest you lose their, their love. And then, and that's, that's a dynamic I've noticed that has been healed in many ways. It's like my husband, for example, I mean, I had not done any of this inner child work when we got married for the first bulk of our marriage. I mean, we've been married 14 years almost now, and it's only happened in the last couple of years, but when he would, when we would get in arguments and he would kind of withdraw his, his way of dealing with my anger or my uh, being upset was to withdraw. And to me, that was really scary. It's like, no, you can't withdraw. Like that's, you know, you might leave me or like, and that was, and that was not a healthy dynamic in our marriage because it's like, I needed him to both change because I was the controller needed him to change. And then when he would withdraw, that was a feeling of being abandoned. And it was just like this unhealthy dynamic in our marriage. And so in doing this inner work, you know, it's more than just the inner child work. It's learning to see my thoughts as, as not reality and just create them in a useful way. But now if he, you know, triggers me in some way or seems to withdraw in any way, I'm able to be that loving, unconditionally loving presence for myself. You know, I don't, I just see if he's upset with me or if he wants to withdraw that that's his issue and what he's dealing with and his judgments of himself or, or me or whatever. And I don't need him to reassure me that I'm okay and that I'm loved and that I'm full and whole and complete. So that's a beautiful change in our relationship that has come about as a result of doing this inner child work is that I can be full and whole for myself and come to the, come to him where I can build himself, build him up and create him in a beautiful way and focus on his good and not need him to reassure me that I'm okay. I mean, there's some dynamic there where we want to be, you know, told that we're wonderful and that we're beautiful. And not like I don't, I don't care about that anymore. I mean, we Mm -hmm. all have our love language, right. But it's, it's not a needy, a needy place where I feel um, like a fear of being uh, abandoned or some sense if we get into a a conflict or an argument or something. And we don't really argue, but it's just like a conflict of some kind, you know. That's so important, not being needy to have someone for sure. I feel like even in um, after the year of working with my coach, and then I decided to go to Hawaii spontaneously on my own to go surfing and just like celebrate a year of mm-hmm. <laughs> doing this deeper inner work. And I don't think I would have been able to do that emotionally, like even three years ago or four years ago, I would have felt like kind of lonely, you know, like how can I go to even Hawaii, which is so beautiful. How can I get a rental car and drive around the island by myself and go surfing and meet people? Like that just seems kind of scary. And like, I Mm -hmm. need to have someone there with me, like my husband or or someone. 
but for me, it was just like this exciting adventure because it's like, I'm in this loving relationship with my little girl and we're just being playful and having fun and it's an adventure. And and so that's another fruit of doing the work is just learning to be, um, just be, have fun with myself and, and like, I go up to Sedona and have time in the Creek. And I don't think I would have, I would have felt lonely in the past doing that. I think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's been beautiful to be able to just connect with my, like my essence and my little girl and, and, and with her and with God, it's like, I'm complete. And I love time with my husband and my kids still, but it's not like from a needy place, you know, it's more from a, be able to give from a, a full cup. How do you think your past experience uh, is helping you with working with your clients? Mm. You mean this with this inner child work and all mm-hmm. that? Well, it's certainly helpful for clients who have similar, um, you know, it might not look, their trauma might not look the same exactly as mine, but I think almost all of us from childhood have some wounds or beliefs that we've developed about ourselves that haven't been helpful. And, and I think many of us had an experience of not feeling like it was safe to be fully, to fully express our emotions. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just a natural product of parents kind of maybe the time period of like, you know, don't show, don't cry, especially if you're a boy or, um, mm-hmm. and so I think it's just, it's, it's allowing them, like I said, at the start of this call to have presence with themselves that they've never truly maybe given to themselves because it wasn't acceptable when they were younger. And so it, if we don't become present with those feelings, they stay. It's just what I've learned in my own experience and with clients is if, if we don't really allow those feelings when we're little, because our parents shushed us or it wasn't okay. Or we'd look, you know, like we weren't cool on the playground or whatever it is. They stay with us. They stay boxed in and they, they use energy and, and uh, in some sense, you know, cause us to not be our, our most powerful selves. And so when we can be present with that and heal it, it frees up a lot of energy to just truly be who we are and create from a, a loving um, place and not, not this wounded. Um, I don't know what you call it, sad or, not feeling heard kind of place of being, you know? So I, I think for for my clients, it's just having gone through that myself, I can create a space where they can learn to do that for themselves too. And having been through that, it, it's certainly helpful to to guide them on that. And we don't only do that. It's just a, that what comes up oftentimes mm-hmm. when we do work is we notice there's areas that are still um, carrying some, some emotional baggage or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and just, and for me, it's just being able to allow them to feel that and not, not feel like I need to like fix them either. Just giving them permission to be with themselves and their emotions. And, um, like I have a client who, uh, her, her father, um, passed away several years ago and she wasn't able to be with him. And she had a lot of anger toward her father because of the decisions he made around the time when he passed that that caused her not to be allowed to be with him. And so it was just helping her be empathetic with herself. Like her desire to truly be present with her father was a very loving, natural response. And so when she can be that empathy for herself, it opens up channels for her to be compassionate and understanding with her father and forgive him for whatever, you know, for whatever decisions he made at the end Mm -hmm. of her life, at the end of his life. And so it's just, really can heal all kinds of all your relationships when you learn to heal this one it um 
the effects ripple outward to everyone, even even um, deceased family members. So it's beautiful to see that. Absolutely. I agree with you. When you change yourself, everything starts changing around around yourself. Yeah. Just starts here. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that's the most beautiful part of this personal development journey is feeling like it's out there. And I can go there sometimes, even if I'm not feeling the best one day or whatever, just like the problems out there. But then continually reminded the more and more practices of how it's actually in here. And that's really freeing, to be honest. Even if you're not feeling the best and you kind of feel like, oh, things aren't as good as they could be. It's really freeing to know that actually I have control over that. It's not it's not because of this person or because my husband did this or my kid did this. It's like it's all here and so i love i love the freedom that comes from that i have the choice to to see people in a certain way or just to, to see to forgive judgments of myself and others and that's that's a freedom freedom i didn't know at all until i really got into personal development which has been so amazing freedom i love it <laughs> yeah john claire if uh, people would love to get in contact with you mm-hmm. where can they find you yeah, well, you can um, find me on Facebook, John Claire Gilbert, and on LinkedIn under the same name. And um, I have a website. It's when I made it, it was kind of more geared toward attorneys and law firms. Um, it is geared toward that. But for my individual clients, it's really like a high touch coaching where we really help you heal that disconnect within yourself. And I use this mental fitness um, framework that really helps clients uh have distance with their thoughts and have the self-awareness and go inward. So yeah, email, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, my website, joanclairegilbert.com. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you. Claire. I am so grateful for you to share your story. Mm -hmm. And I know so many parents will probably resonate with your story and so many other people will, will probably recognize themselves in you yeah thank you thank you so much for being so open and honest yeah but before we go do you have any concluding thoughts you know i don't i think that i um definitely had a lot of and still do sometimes have anxiety too that's that i need to grapple with and so if i guess if you're listening to this podcast and you feel there's there's anxiety within you or, you know, chronic anxiety, or maybe even some depression at times, you may maybe look within and, and, and um, see if there's anything in the, my story that resonated with you from your childhood and be open possibly to, to facing with courage. Some of those moments from childhood or young adulthood, even where you felt, you know, in some sense abandoned or disconnected with yourself and realize that it is very possible to heal that and move on and let it go. And and in that turn, that trauma or disconnection that you felt into a huge gift for yourself and for others. Because if I didn't have this trauma as a child, I don't know that I would have this deep, this relationship that's as deep as it is with my little girl. So in that sense, it's turned into a gift. And so, you know, maybe don't look at these moments as, um, darkness it's it's like so heavy and you know it is heavy in its own way but but in the other side of it it's really beautiful and you know it might bring you to some depths of connection with yourself and others that wouldn't be possible otherwise so what a beautiful beautiful words thank you john claire 
Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, John Claire Gilbert. Thank you for being here today. I know it's not easy. If you are ready to take this journey all the way, I can help. To find more about my unique method of turning your past trauma into your superpower or how to connect with me best, go to anandichburn.com. This journey isn't possible to do on your own. So make sure you like, subscribe and review the podcast so we can help more people like you. And if you have someone in your life who is struggling to overcome their trauma, this is something you can give them that truly can change the course of their life forever. We'll see you next time for another episode of the world's best trauma recovery podcast. And just remember, you are able to help yourself and you can do it right now.